0: Because a lot of farmers, they want to be a grocery store. They're like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And that's great if you're doing it just for yourself. If you want to have a dozen chickens and one pig and three sheep and one cow and a small garden, that's fantastic. If you're doing it on a homesteading type level, you just want to raise food for yourself, maybe sell some eggs to a neighbor. But if you want to make a business out of it, you have to have a very different approach. You have to approach it as a business. And I found that just focusing on one thing, making sure that's successful, making sure that is ready to go before moving on to something else that was instrumental, I think, in our success.
1: Hi, folks. I'm Connor Garn, and welcome to Consensus in Conversation, a podcast where we're talking with innovators, entrepreneurs, and small business owners who are making the world a better place and making a profit while doing it. We spent a lot of time this year talking about agriculture and the importance of local farms to the resiliency of food in America. It's an important time and topic to be thinking about because the pandemic was a real wake-up call for many of us who so often take our food supply for granted. We may not see or interact with farmers every day like we used to, but farms are still very much at the foundation on which the world is built. And how many of us, I know I certainly do, daydream from time to time about giving up the grind of the modern nine-to-five and returning to the land. Starting a small farm, getting my hands dirty, growing things, raising animals, being self-sufficient, all those kinds of things. And yet, how many of us actually go out and do it? How many of us would even know where to start? Well, our guest this week is one of the rare and remarkable few who have not only taken that leap of faith, but who have built their farming dreams into a thriving and sustainable business. And, If you want to follow through on that daydream yourself, he's even built the tools to help you follow in his footsteps. Jeff Zwicky is the founder of Vital Mission Farm, where he's applying the principles of regenerative agriculture to raise pasture poultry that's nutritious, delicious, and part of a holistic system capturing carbon and rebuilding the resiliency of South Carolina's lowlands. He's a self-taught ag entrepreneur who's not only achieved his goal of making a positive impact through farming, but has also grown it into a successful business. And now, with his Regenerative Success educational program, he's passing on those hard-won lessons to a new generation of aspiring farmers across the country, helping them to unlock the secret to doing well while doing good, which is, of course, what we're all about here. So it's super exciting to welcome Jeff to the show. Thanks for doing this. Really excited to have today's conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So yeah, let's just start at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah. So in 20, into 2016, 2017, uh, my wife and I had a baby on the way and we bought some land out in the country. And I decided I wanted to start growing some food for ourselves and, and have good, clean food for our kids, you know, and started a little garden outside and decided to get some chickens. So I bought about 25 chickens, built a little shelter, a little pen to yeah. raise them in and, and move them around every day. They're eating a lot of grasses and bugs and getting fresh air. And just loved that whole process. And um, our first child was born, and and I would carry him with me on my on my chest while I was out there feeding chickens every morning and watering them. I harvested and processed those chickens myself, and I gave some to friends and family. We had some people over and asked them what they thought about it, and everyone was like, "This is some of the best chicken I've ever had." I was like, "Really." And you can really taste that difference. You know, it was yeah. it's kind of like grass-fed beef it has a much deeper, richer flavor. It's kind of like grass-fed chicken. And then I started learning about how much more nutritious it was and started learning about regenerative agriculture and, and the impact they could have on the environment. How It was it was fertilizing our soil and helping our grasses and trees grow. And I was like, wow, this makes total sense and decided to start a farm and try to make a business out of it.
1: Where Where is home for you right now?
0: Yeah, we're uh, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina a place called Wadmalaw Island. And are
1: you from South Carolina originally? Has that always been home? I am. So before Vital Mission Farm, what was your early professional path? Did you start out in agriculture?
0: I never thought I'd be a farmer. That was not in the cards at all. I was working in the medical field for a corporate job. It was a challenge. You know, It was just not fulfilling. And I knew that I wanted to be my own boss and work for myself at some point. Just didn't know how or, or what that would look like
1: growing up did you want to go into medicine is that was that kind of what you thought you wanted to do or was that just kind of the default path
0: no i um i always wanted to work with animals I always wanted to work outdoors and so i had a background in biology is what i went to school for and started doing marine science and then saw that there was better jobs better opportunities in the medical field so um then i went into uh the pharmacy college and graduated with a degree in pharmacy I became a pharmacist and started doing that and yeah, I just felt like I really want to get back to what I loved, which is being outside, working with wildlife, working with the environment. And then farming was a way to do that.
1: In retrospect, can you look at your time in medicine, in, in um, the pharmacy world, and pinpoint any lessons or skills that actually crossed over that surprised you a little bit?
0: Yeah, you know, working in a retail pharmacy, you get a lot of one-on-one interaction with folks and you get those regular people and you really start to build that relationship, which was a you know, one thing that I did appreciate that I did enjoy about it and being able to help people and see some positive impact on their lives. is really cool. And being able to develop that relationship, build that rapport, build that trust is something that definitely helped me as I started farming, because yeah. when you're buying from a local farmer, I think for the buyer, that's, that's everything is, is how they can trust you. The transparency, what you're doing in your farm, and being able to develop that relationship with your customers. And, and that's really how you, you know, grow the farm. And so I think that did help me kind of cross over one skill that I kind of took with me.
1: It also feels like the world of of health from a medical perspective is not that distant from the ideal of health that we have from a better food system, right? Like the the notion that we all would like to have cleaner food, better quality food, like that value seems pretty linked at least to this notion of like communal health, society health, individual health. So it feels like there's maybe at least some crossover there too.
0: And that's what it's all about is, yeah, the food is healthier and it's great to do that. But really what we want to do is create a product and a farm that's healthy for the people, you know, healthy products, but also creates healthy financial stability for the farmer, right? Also creates job opportunities in some of these rural areas, keeps family farms and small families and so it doesn't go to the big agricultural system. So yeah, I think, you know, that concept can be expanded across different disciplines for sure.
1: Sure. Were there any moments from either just your upbringing all the way through kind of when you, you took the leap and kind of made this pivot where you can look back and think about how experiences in life shaped how you think about food, farming, agriculture, and kind of became part of how you moved forward with it?
0: In terms of food, you know, what I kind of took away from what I learned through medicine and pharmacy is there's a lot of great medications out there that can save your life. There's medications that are fantastic that are a game changer for us. But there's also a lot of medications that aren't so great. It's kind of like if you have a bleeding artery and the medication is basically just putting a bandaid over it. You're still bleeding. You're not fixing the cause. And so I feel like being able to get to the root cause, which a lot of it can be shown be traced to our food system and our lifestyle, you know, they say diet and exercise can prevent or cure, you know, 80% of the stuff, the diseases and, and conditions we have out there. And it's interesting is you'll talk to business owners, fitness people, people are there in the gym, and even they'll tell you, you know, I can help you get healthier and lose a little weight, but really it's about the diet. You know, that's that's 80% of it. So you look at that and you think, wow, food really does, what we intake, what we put in our bodies really does have a big impact on our health. And let's, let's correct the underlying problem rather than just putting a band-aid on it.
1: Were you always health conscious, always kind of aware of your food or, or did that happen kind of once it was, up? Oh, we're having a kid time to get, time to get serious yeah. now about what we're um,
0: Not really. No, it wasn't really health conscious. You know, I would definitely, yeah. Wasn't the healthiest, <laughs> I mean, not the worst, but not the best, you know, definitely wouldn't have you know, think twice about sure. cracking up a bag of Cheetos and a Snickers bar and, and, you know, still do to this day. But I try to, try to eat healthy 80% of the time, uh, 80, 90% of the time. And then, you know, yeah, there's there's some stuff that I'll, you know, kind of indulge in. But when I had kids, I think that's really when it started to really start to hit home. Like, okay, I want them to have good, clean food and, and put good things in their body. It's not going to hurt them. So that's really where it kind of started to hit home for me.
1: Yeah. So how did, how did you first really, take the dive into farming.
0: Yeah, when I started, you know, after I raised that first batch of chickens, I thought, hey, maybe I can make a go out of this. Maybe I can make a business out of this. And it's something I really enjoy this process. And maybe I can actually sell some of these, have a little side gig, you know, something that I enjoy being outdoors. And that was kind of the intention. And it quickly did take off. We had a lot of interest from local chefs and restaurants, and that grew quickly because they are they needed a lot, a lot of like yeah. to keep their restaurant going. And so I quickly went from, you know, 20 chickens in the backyard. I told my wife I was just going to raise food for us. And then just like a month or two later, I had like 300 birds in the backyard. She's like, Wait, that's a lot more than what you're growing for us. And I was like, yeah, it kind of grow quickly here. So then it kind of snowballed. And, and what really, I think, got me excited about it was the fact that I started learning about regenerative agriculture and really kind of diving into that and learning that not only can we grow food that's healthier for consumers, but it's better for the livestock. It's better for the environment. Right. We're sequestering carbon. You know, we're increasing our soil fertility. You know, all these great things. And I was like, wow, this makes total sense. It's a win-win all around. And growing up in the low country, like uh, we, I feel like I really see the effects of climate change firsthand. You know, here we notice when the tides are getting higher. Right, we're having sea level rise and, and more intense storms and stuff like that. And you really see it firsthand. And that kind of struck a chord with me. And I saw agriculture as a way, it solved a lot of problems. One, potential to start my own business, be my own boss and get out of the corporate world. Two, raise better food for my family and my community. And three, I guess really got me excited is this could be a potential solution to climate change. If it's if you do agriculture right and you manage it properly, we can have a profound impact on our environment. And that, that got me pretty excited.
1: Yeah. I mean, the promise of the industry is incredible. How daunting was the start though? like even getting things off the ground, getting things growing must have been a huge challenge. Like, how did you navigate those those early days?
0: Yeah, those early days were were tough because you're trying to grow something, a living thing, and it it can be a challenge, whether it's livestock or, or vegetables or whatever you're doing in farming a lot of times in farming we we are trying to keep things alive that want to die we're trying to, we're trying to kill things that want to live right if you think about weeds in a garden right. you know we're trying to kill the unwanted weeds but we're trying to keep these other things alive that maybe not necessarily fit to our environment so the whole production of farming is is a challenge and then you know figuring out any issues you run into as far as whether it's predators you know we had a big issue with predators killing our livestock and just figuring out this first couple of years is is quite the learning curve so i had no formal training in, in yeah. farming whatsoever which I think was kind of a blessing and a curse because I wasn't influenced. I never had an agricultural degree. Uh, there was no, I should do it this way kind of thing. I was reading all the books I could read, you know, was watching videos on YouTube, seeing what other people were doing, listening to webinars and speakers, you know, just kind of absorbing everything I could and then kind of applying it to my situation. Yeah. So, but looking back, as challenging it was getting started in those figuring out the production side of farming, that's actually the easy part. <laughs> I talked to a lot of farmers and, you know, the production is really as hard as it is getting started. Once you figure it out, that's the easy part. It's it's finding customers, making the numbers work, getting sales, marketing. That's the hard part. And that's that's really what divides the people who succeed and the people who don't. And I certainly had our challenges doing that. I stuck with it. I, maybe it was stupidity. I don't know. Stubbornness. Um, stuck with it. And, you know, you, you figure it out. You overcome those things. You learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes a lot of mistakes and a few successes, and um, that's just kept me going.
1: Let's talk about some of those moments. I mean, what was the the first big success that you remember making, whether that was a big sale or some affirmation of some sort, something that made that all of a sudden the numbers were going to click, that you thought, okay, I actually can do this. I got something here.
0: Yeah. In the beginning, we worked with a lot of chefs and restaurants. I had a local chef I had reached out to. Um, had a great restaurant nearby. And I said, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing on my farm, raising some chickens. And would you like to try some? He said, yeah, I live close to where you are. I'll come out and see the farm and see what you're doing. I said, okay, great. And he came out here and I showed him what we're doing, explained to him, you know, what we were doing and why, and and gave him a sample. And he loved it. And he said, I ordered two dozen, you know, two dozen chickens is not exactly a life changing sale, but for me at that moment, it kind of was because it just gave me the confidence that somebody believes in me and they're actually yeah. willing to buy what I'm producing. And that really gave me the confidence to keep going. And growing from there, we worked with over 50 chefs and restaurants in the area. So that was really instrumental in those early years, working with a lot of restaurants and enable us to have that consistent cash flow and really grow the farm.
1: Yeah. And for folks who aren't from the greater Charleston area, It's worth mentioning some of the best farmer table restaurants in the country are in Charleston. Like many, many, many amazing restaurants have their starts or footprints in that area. So that's got to be pretty gratifying for you.
0: Yeah. And that was, I just saw an opportunity there. You know, I said, Hey, we've we've got a lot of great restaurants here, so let's go after it. And in the beginning, I started, I would knock on doors and go in there and try to talk to the chef and they will, or call them or email them. They want nothing to do with me. And I was like, man, this is. Or I go in and t- chat with them. And I had no idea what to say. You know, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about sales. I was like, "This is rough," you know, <laughs> getting doors slammed in my face and hung up on. But again, I just stuck with it, and and you know, we, I started to get better and kind of refining our process and what I said and how I said it, and, and we got got much better. And so we started getting some notice and got a lot of people that were interested in buying our products. And-
1: I'm curious if as you got deeper into the agricultural community, the food system itself. Did that change how you thought about food in this country?
0: Yeah, I never, you know, I never really thought twice about the food in the grocery store, I don't think, before that. And then I started learning a little bit about, you know, kind of our food system. But yeah, when I started farming and started learning about just some of the, you know, the negatives with the industrial conventional agricultural system, how it's, you know, depleting the land and bad welfare for the animals and so yeah i definitely as i started getting into it started to learn more about this really opened my eyes about what's really going on in our food system and, and really um definitely resonated with me that to want to do better
1: yeah what about just things that working the fields taught you about yourself what have you learned about yourself in this in the process of kind of becoming a farmer
0: <laughs> i guess i learned that i can handle a lot of pain <laughs> um, and when I say that, I mean, uh, mental pain, it's it's hard. You have to be resilient. You know, I was working full-time when I was getting this started. So I was full-time job, 40 hours a week. Then I'd come home and have to work on the farm, you know, whatever spare time I had. Running around, trying to get things done, trying to raise the livestock, trying to market it, sell it, and do everything that entails, fixing things. And then try to set some time aside for my wife and, and child, you know, and that was really hard and, and really it was a struggle for three years. You know, there's a lot of times I wanted to hang it up. I wanted to quit, you know, with the mortgage and the debt and everything we had and then relationship with my my wife and my family. Never seeing them was, was souring, you know, because they never saw me. We need you here. And I had so much going on, so much on my plate. It was overwhelming. And so. You have to be resilient and you have to stick it through. And I just said, you know, I'm just I just I gotta stick it through. I have to get out on the other side because I can't I can't stay in this. This will kill me. <laughs> you know, I can't stay like this forever. Yeah. And that lasted about a good three, three or four years. And we were I was throwing everything at the wall to see what stick. We we're trying all kinds of things on the farm. You know, I was growing uh meat birds, eggs, mushrooms, vegetables. We did pigs I and mean, we did all kinds of different things to produce. We we're, you know, growing tree crops. And I was trying all different kinds of ways to market and sell it and and posting things on social media. And it was a hard time trying to figure out what worked. And I think part of the reason it was so difficult is because I was doing so many different things, you know, and I was dividing my time, my energy, my finances, you know, seven different ways. Versus if I just focused on one thing, I probably could have made that work much, much sooner. But when I finally got to a breaking point and we kind of had a. My wife and I had a serious talk. She said, you got that. You, you, I never see you. Something's got to give. That's when I said, okay, I'm going to focus on one thing, which was for me was pastured poultry, uh, meat birds. So I'm going to focus on that only and, and make that work. And I'm going to give it another shot. And I'm going to give it some time. You know, we had a, a set time limit, you know, maybe like three months or six months, whatever it was. And I think it was six months what we agreed on. And I said, if it's not working by then, I, I'm done, you know? And so I was, that really gave me the kick in the pants to make this work. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you've you learned all the hard ways, all the lessons. <laughs> Give us the elevator pitch for regenerative success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I was doing my research, I was trying all these things. I found that there wasn't a lot of information out there to teach you how to be successful farming. There's a lot of great information from the USDA, NRCS, you know, YouTube, you name it, as far as how to produce a product, how to farm. If you want to grow corn, here's how to grow corn. If you want to raise cattle, here's the best way to do it. Tons of information out there, but very little information about how to make a farm successful, how to stay in business yeah. in terms of you know keeping your costs low, how to get value out of your products and get a good return on your investment, how to find customers, how to market, how to sell it. And I just saw a huge need there. And I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I'm trying to figure it out. And so I started Regenerative Success, regenerativesuccess.com is a website, but basically the goal was to teach you know agricultural solutions that were good for the environment and also to help with farmer stability and financial security and try to help people both um, learn how to farm regeneratively in a way that's that's good for the farmer good for the environment good for the lands but it also is sustainable successful you know you can have the best farming techniques in the world you can have the best product in the world but if you can't sell it, you can't market, you can't find customers, or you can't sell it for a price that makes it viable for you to keep going, then it doesn't do any good. That's what my goal was really to help farmers kind of avoid some of the mistakes I made and kind of teach them the right path and things that work for me to help them with their farm.
1: Have you noticed any particular lanes of lessons are most in need? What's the kind of concentration of of interest by topic area?
0: Yeah, there's a number of things um, that I think are very important. It's interesting because I heard there's a quote or saying that they say that farming is one of the few professions where you buy everything at retail price and sell it at wholesale price. <laughs> and so from the get-go, we're, we're at a disadvantage. It makes a very complex business model. And, you, yeah. and a lot of times you have to have a lot of capital up front, you know, buying land and buying equipment and tractors. It's very capital intensive and it's, it's hard to make it work. But there's a couple of things that have been key, I think are very key instrumental in that. And one is we have found creative ways to lower costs. So a lot of do-it-yourself infrastructure, a lot of cyclical ecosystems. And what I mean by that is some of the regenerative agriculture principles we we use is is trying not to have any waste and recycle everything we have. So even the manure gets recycled, fertilizes the grasses. Even the bones from our birds, after we part them out, we use to make bone broth, right? We try to minimize our waste as much as possible. And reduce our inputs, reduce our footprint. Um, Focusing on one product, that is huge. You know, focusing on one thing because a lot of farmers, they want to be a grocery store. They're like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And and that's great if you're doing it just for yourself. If you want to have a dozen chickens and one pig and three sheep and one cow and a small garden, that's fantastic. If you're doing it on a homesteading type level, you just want to raise food for yourself, maybe sell some eggs to a neighbor. But if you want to make a business out of it, you have to have a very different approach. You have to approach it as a business. And I found that just focusing on one thing, making sure that's successful, making sure that is ready to go before moving on to something else that was instrumental, I think, in our success.
1: So how at this point do you manage to balance regenerative success as as an entity and as a project versus your own farm and agricultural work? How do you focus on balance there?
0: Yeah. Um, great question. Sometimes it can be, you know, a little bit of a challenge, but the nice thing is the farm, we, you know, after, you know, this is our seventh season, we've really got things kind of figured out and pretty dialed sure. in now as far as the production model. And so I'm really only working like 15 hours a week on the farm, uh, which is fantastic. And it's doing very well. And we also have people that help with the the marketing and sales aspect on the farm. So, you know, being able to leverage, you know, and have other people uh, come in and, and step in, especially in those areas where I'm not proficient in has been instrumental you know, because you you do have to wear a lot of hats, like any small business, you know, when you're getting started, there's so many things you have to know how to do. And and I found that, hey, I need to stick in the area that I'm good at and hire somebody to do the things that either I don't like or I'm not good at. So that's how the farm goes. And then with Regenerative Success, we're growing and building this. And so I can focus my attention on Regenerative Success and really getting great results for other farmers and really trying to do whatever I can to help push them forward. Let's
1: focus on regenerative agriculture in general for a second, why was it important to you to farm that way? And have you found that same kind of passion or enthusiasm universally? It sounds like you you must recognize a market since you are now teaching that and marketing that as a secondary, you know, with regenerative success. So why was that important first criteria for you?
0: So when you look at CO2 emissions and our, our contribution globally to climate change, Depending on what resource you look at, they estimate that agriculture is responsible from 25 to 33 percent, depending on which source you're looking at, roughly in that ballpark of greenhouse gas emissions. And what that tells me is that we're not doing things very well when it comes to agriculture, and there's a lot of opportunity for improvement. And I see regenerative agriculture as being the tool to make a big impact on our environment. There's been studies done by the Rodale Institute which is a, a foundation that basically kind of started and kicked off the organic food movement. And it was very instrumental in, in getting that going. And they've done studies that have shown that if we can raise livestock and rotation grazing, if we do it properly, we can actually be carbon negative. And so what we've seen is an increase in organic matter, about 1% every year on our farm, just rotation grazing poultry. And, what does that mean, the big picture? Well, the Rodale Institute did a, did a study, and they, they realized that the, the soil has a huge potential for holding carbon from sequestering greenhouse gases, pulling CO2 out of the atmosphere and sequestering it in the soil. If we raise our organic matter just just 1%, over all the farmland in North America, we could completely reverse CO2 to pre-industrial levels. And we're doing this in just a single year, raising livestock on our farm. So that means if everybody adopted these types of organic uh, regenerative agriculture principles, we can potentially 100% reverse the CO2 levels in the atmosphere and completely reverse climate change and grow better food for our food system and have better welfare for our animals. And we're creating you know ecosystems that also help support wildlife. We do a silvopasture system in our farm. And silvopasture has been shown to be the most productive ecosystem in terms of food production and carbon sequestration. And what Silvopasture is, is basically we are planting trees. If you think of an orchard, but not typical dense rows, it's more of widely spaced trees so that we're still getting a good amount of sunlight. So we're getting the grasses and forages grow. And what we do is we bring our livestock and our our birds in. They are our lawnmowers, our pest control and our fertilizer program for the trees. So we're producing uh, forages, we're producing meat and eggs, and we're producing fruit and nuts from the trees. We plant fruit and nut trees all in the same acre. just three products from one acre. So it's very productive. We're getting uh, tons of carbon storage in, in the trees. Trees produce rain. They they help increase moisture and, and rain activities in areas. And so I think this is the way to farm, and, and it's worked really well for our our situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's worth just putting a finer point on that, again, like, there is a path to better food cleaner food that also is better for the environment that could help us reduce overall greenhouse gas emissions and capture more carbon and store it like all that in one process one product one service it's pretty remarkable when you like actually pause and just think about it holistically like it's a powerful opportunity
0: it's a huge opportunity. And and that's what I realized early on is I can do all this stuff on my farm and that's fantastic on my small acreage. But hey, if I can teach other people to do this, I can influence, you know, even just another 50 farmers. That's a 50x increase in impact. And so that's when I realized, hey, I, if I can kind of share some of these things that are working for us, it can make a much bigger impact.
1: Are you noticing anything in particular about who's, Taking on the mantle? Like, uh, are there common characteristics, whether they are geographies or ages of folks that are jumping in, um, that are passionate about this, that want to learn, that are joining regenerative success.com? Like, who, who's comprising these cohorts?
0: Yeah, we, we work with a lot of farmers from all over. We even have um, folks that are, that are not in the United States, all different age groups. But what's really encouraging is. It seems that there has been a, a very large increase in interest from the younger crowd, the 20 to 30 crowd, which is which is really um, really encouraging because I think just even you know 10 20 years ago, and it still is this day is the average age of the farmer is is like 63 or something like that. when the average age is like 63, 65 and, and the older farmers are retiring and getting out of this. Who's going to grow our food? You know, there's got to be somebody to take over. Now we're seeing this huge surge and these younger folks that are really getting into this and excited about this regenerative agriculture for the reasons that we've mentioned. And that's really inspiring and encouraging to see. You
1: you talked about a, a little bit being able to see in real time the impacts of the changing climate in the low country. I'm curious how you think about building a business, building resiliency in your business, teaching resiliency in business, you know, for other folks who, you know, are trying to figure out how do we successfully build an agriculture enterprise when next year's season might be hotter or a drought or floods or, you know, all the, the various kind of challenges that hit as climate change continues to impact each community's agricultural product differently? How how do you think about resiliency? How do you teach resiliency in that context?
0: That's a great question. And I'll answer it in two contexts. One, from a production side, and two, from a business side. Uh, From a production side and farming, we have seen a number of farms, you know, last year in California, all these pecan orchards, um, if you saw those in the news, they're burning pecan trees. During the pandemic, they had these huge corporate industrial hog farms that they're slaughtering pigs because they didn't have anybody to process the pigs in, in the facilities. And so what you see is this industrial agricultural system, it's extremely efficient, and that's why it's built the way it is, but it's not flexible at all. And so if one little thing goes wrong, the whole system breaks. And so when you're growing hundreds and thousands of acres of pecan trees and you don't get water, you don't get pecans and they're burning their orchards. If if you can't process the thousands and thousands of pigs you have because you're relying on this big system because you don't have workers to work in the the processing facility then you have to slaughter them on it and everything breaks so it's very efficient but not resilient the industrial system in contrast um what we try to do on our farm and, and work with other folks to do is having a, an efficient farm system as we can uh while being resilient and so what that would look like is we have a mixed crop we have a number of different trees planted right we have mulberries we have pecans we have citrus we have blueberries we have nectarines we have figs so all these different things so if something comes through let's say we have a a, a flooding event right and, and the mulberries didn't produce anything this year our season isn't cooked you know we're not done because right. all we had was a mulberry farm right we've got all these other products same thing if you have a pest if you're only growing one crop whether it's corn or or strawberries whatever it is. And a pest comes through or a disease comes through and wipes out your crop, you're done. Versus if you have a diverse farm and you have diversity built in, diversity is huge in agriculture and in ecosystems, I believe, then you still have something to fall back on. And I think that's very important as we move into the future with climate change, because we're going to see changing ecosystems, change, changes in temperature, changes in rainfall. And so it's very important to have diversity. Uh, so that's you know the production side. As far as building resiliency in our farm on the business side, as I mentioned, we worked with a lot of chefs and restaurants. And up until when COVID hit in 2020, that was about 98% of our sales. And then all of a sudden, this virus comes along and no one's going out to eat. And the restaurants are closing down and they're not buying food for me. And I've got a freezer full of birds. And I said, uh oh, you know, now what? That was my main source of income. I didn't have diversity in my income streams. I didn't have resiliency built in the farm. So I pivoted direct to consumer. I started doing like a local farmer's market and it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I was at the market and I was selling whole ducks to chefs. That's primarily what they were using uh, and I was raising for them. And I found that not a lot of people buy a whole duck at a farmer's market. <laughs> if they do, it might be once or twice a year, You know, not as an everyday type thing. And I was like, this is not good. So um, but we you know, I stuck with it. We started doing some different things, offering different cuts, different products, and it grew. And 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 so, you know, from there we learned to add more diversity, more resiliency to our, our business. Now we, we do a little bit of wholesale still, but at this point, I would say 95%, 98% of our sales This pretty much flipped completely, is, is all direct consumer. Um, and we do that at farmers markets on-farm and
1: and online. Well, and I I think there's even one other layer of resiliency at kind of the societal level, which is the supply chain resiliency. You know, we've had grown, I think, collectively in many parts of the country, particularly in, in urban environments, reliant on major grocers who get a lot of food product from outside the country. And when it was not easy to get everything shipped, you know, in a timely manner across the globe, we saw the impact, right? Like you saw real barren shelves and you saw a lot of food going to waste in transit because it couldn't get from point A to point Z in time like they used to be able to. And so I think there's also the element of resiliency kind of simply with better, more reliable, local, domestic agricultural supply chain. Like that that actually, I think, was one lesson learned I noticed
0: yeah, you're exactly right I mean the the supply chain you know we've seen how you know as a farm we're not hundred percent self-reliant that's my goal to get there one day I do have to buy feed that comes mm-hmm. in from another farm we do uh, you know have to take our we take a lot of our birds to another place to get processed. We have done some on farm ourselves and we I'd like to get back to that so we do rely on other sources but um the goal is that we can be self-reliant we can kind of be more resilient to to those changes.
1: I tend to think entrepreneurship takes a bit of a certainly optimistic, if not even naive person to want to jump in and think that they've got this. (laughs) Um, I'm speaking as one, right? Who's done it a few times, like find find myself to be that way, at least. I'm curious, A, I guess, first, if you find yourself to be an optimistic kind of an optimist in that context with a belief that you can go out there and solve this problem or, or find this market or build this company or, you know, so let's start with that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would describe myself as an optimist or if it's just stupidity, but I stuck with what I was doing um, for whatever reason. Um, just hardheaded and stuck it through. I think that's a big factor. I think if I was a if I was more of a pessimist type person, I, I don't think I would have stuck with it as long as I did.
1: Well, and I, and I also think it's it's interesting, right? When you find someone who's not just optimistic in the service of building a company, but also an optimist in that you're going to help tackle something like a major global challenge, right? Like you're not just out there building the business, which in and of itself is an act of stupidity or optimism. Well, we'll flip a coin and decide which, which one to call it today. But also the market that you're in and the way you're building this company is making the world a better place. Again, it, it's illustrates, I think, an element of hope that, you know, we can be part of the solution.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. Don't get me wrong, I love raising food. I love being outside. I love working with the animals. I love being able to feed my family and my and close community good, clean food. However, I would say I'm probably different from a lot of farmers in that that probably, you know, that's a close second, but probably not my primary motivation for farming. For me personally, it was really to be able to have an impact, a greater impact on the environment and on climate change. And I saw regenerative agriculture and farming as the tool to allow me to do that, if that makes sense. And so that, yeah, that does give me a lot of hope and a lot of, um, you know, just, just positive outlook on the future knowing that, Hey, there is an option here. There is a solution and and we just need to follow it. And we don't, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know if anybody does really, but I think, you know, it's still a work in progress. We can always improve. And that's the part that really excites me is being able to try new things, I like to test, I like to experiment. I always like to try new production systems, new models and things. And that's what gets me excited to think about, you know, how I can how can I change this and make it lower impact. And a lot of times that also translates to less cost and more self-reliance. So it's if I can lower my cost and have a lower carbon footprint, then that's that's perfect. You know, that's a win-win. And, and so um it's it's fun to experiment and, and try new things and see how they work.
1: So coming out of this summer it felt like the last couple of years in particular there's been quite a quite a bit of negative news around you know weather events extreme weather events that are making it hard on on American agriculture but I'm curious when you have those moments you know when you see those headlines or experience a challenge in the field itself how do you stay positive how do you how do you recapture that optimism that hope
0: Sometimes when I read those articles, you know, I, I I feel, you know, a little sense of despair sometimes, you know, I'll be honest. But um, I look at it, you know, within a few minutes, and I'm like, you know, we don't we don't have a choice. You know, we got to do something. I don't necessarily think it's going to be one breakthrough solution. I mean, if it did awesome, you know, if, if they figure out how to do cold fusion successfully and, and make bountiful energy display the whole world that would be great. And that could be game changing, but we're going to keep doing what we're doing and uh, have faith that there's a lot of people working on what they're doing in their individual fields, whether it's developing better batteries or better solar panels or electric cars or, you know, whatever it may be. There's a lot of people working on a lot of individual solutions and all that adds up.
1: And I think to extend that a little bit, which I think where I find Continued source of hope. There's a lot of consumers that are demanding that. There are consumers that want those products, and so it's not just a bunch of quixotic entrepreneurs like us that are out there trying to like build the thing. It's that there's a market for it. people want the thing. They're buying the thing.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point. You don't have to be somebody. that's like you don't have to sit in your room and be like, "I'm going to develop the next best battery." You know, like you can you can make a huge difference just as a consumer. You know, just thinking about the food you put on your table. You know, just doing the small things such as supporting a regenerative farm can go a long way. You know, there, there's so many things that the individual can do, whether it's, you know, you know, using less power consumption or switching to more electricity or things like that. You know, there's, there's so many things that every individual can do to make to make an impact.
1: Yeah. Anything that you've kind of read or watched or listened to recently that inspired you or that resonated or you think you'd want others to kind of take a listen to or look at in this genre?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of young farmers are getting into this space. And there's a lot of, I guess, one thing that I've seen recently that comes to mind would be um, Kiss the Ground was a great, great documentary on agriculture, which I enjoyed. And it's it's really um, inspiring to see that there's a lot of young people getting into this and wanting to do it for all the right reasons.
1: Just for folks at home, anything that we can, we can plug for you? Where can, where can folks find your products or where can we send people?
0: Sure. For folks interested in farming and, and how to get started, particularly when it, when it comes to raising pastured poultry, or if they're raising a product, they just want to figure out how to make the numbers work, how to lower costs, increase their profit, find more customers, make the farm business work. We have some solutions we offer. Uh, we have different services. Go to regenerativesuccess.com uh, is the best way to find that. And then we have our farm. So if that's something that interests you, we do mostly pastured poultry. We do duck products, turkey products. We have some fruit trees planted out in our pastures, but we don't have a whole lot of fruit production yet. Hopefully in the next year or two, we'll have a lot more. But that website is vitalmissionfarm.com. And you can learn about the farm, uh, see some of the products we have. We have an online store. We do ship on the East Coast. So um, if they want to see what we do, they can check that out as well.
1: Huge thanks to Jeff for joining us today. Don't forget to check out his websites at vitalmissionfarm.com and regenerativesuccess.com. And if you enjoyed the episode today, please like or review on whichever podcast platform you're currently listening in on. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn to stay up to date on all things sustainable business and consensus in conversation. Plus, you can hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen. You'll never miss another episode. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know the perfect person that we should have on, send us an email write to jeff at consensus-digital.com. That's G-E-O-F-F at consensus-digital.com. Consensus and Conversation is hosted by me, Conor Gon. The episode is produced by Will Gatchel and Jeff Rock, executive produced by me with editing from Reasonable Volume. Special thanks to Consensus Creative Director Kate Tucker, Greg Harrigal, and Strategist Patrick Gallagher. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll see you next week.